thank you everyone for joining us today on the King's Crowd Startup Investing Podcast. We are so excited to be joined here today by Krishan Aurora, uh, the founder and CEO of the Aurora Project. Uh, he's a really, really interesting individual. I've had a great opportunity to get to know him over the past few years uh, that we've both been in this industry. And he comes from a really unique angle in this market that I don't think we've covered to date. So very, very excited to have this conversation. Um, so let's kick it off. Krishan, thanks so much for uh, joining us here today. Thanks a lot for having me, Chris. First of all, been a big fan of King's Crowd since day one. Really excited to see what you're building in the space. Uh, very needed. And it, it's great to be here. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Um, so, you know, you know, we've definitely kind of come up through the trenches of the early days of regulation, crowdfunding and all of those things. Um, would love for you to kind of tell our audience about your experience, you know, what kind of led you to the Reg CF markets and what our project is all about. Great. You know, our inception has always been in the crowdfunding world, even before the Title III reform of the Jobs Act back in 2016, 2017. Even pre the sort of 2017 launchpad year, we were doing crowdfunding in the Kickstarter Indiegogo space, product crowdfunding for high quality entrepreneurs. Uh, you know, we uh, at the time were the only agency listed on Kickstarter and Indiegogo's main websites as preferred media partners. We were sourcing high quality deal flow creating all of the content and the community creation strategies, launching them on either Kickstarter and Indiegogo. And we had raised tens of millions of dollars mm. on both of those platforms and soon became a preferred channel partner from both of those platforms and still are. And then as 2017, 2018 rolled about and the Reg CF space started picking up more momentum, I pivoted the entire team to focus pretty much exclusively on Reg CF, Reg D and Reg A offerings to help entrepreneurs raise dilutive capital in a much more streamlined format, taking all of our learnings on community creation, community conversion and monetization, investor relations, investor outreach, investor acquisition, and putting sort of a boot camp methodology where it's like, look, the first four weeks is preparation. The next eight weeks is fundraising. This is what's happening day by day, week by week for the next 12 weeks to ensure that we maximize your fundraising potential. So that's where we came from. And today, you know, we're luckily in a position where we've raised over $100 million through our crowdfunding campaigns. We currently have over 50 reg CFs, either in prep or live right now. Uh, you know, and we're raising millions of dollars a month right now via reg CFs, reg Ds and reg As for high quality entrepreneurs around the nation. Wow, that's a, uh, it's pretty amazing. And I don't think a lot of people realize, but you know, that, that idea that if you build it, they will come is kind of, uh, it's not right. <laughs> it's not real. It hasn't happened. And the recognition is that you need to still do the work if you're creating these listings and, and allowing your company to raise capital online. Um, and that's where you come in. You're really the support services. In some ways, my word's not yours, the investment bank of this space, um, helping entrepreneurs be able to raise that capital. So talk to me about some of the kind of fundamental things that are really important to any Reg C offering, company that's going live, what they need to do in order to kind of optimize and have success in their fundraising round. Especially with the most recent regulatory updates that happened on March 15th, 
the biggest change, in my opinion, was well, two biggest changes. One was the SPV on the cap table that opens it up in a much more streamlined fashion for entrepreneurs to raise capital um, and much more higher quality deal flow can now enter the space. And two, from sort of an execution standpoint, the test the waters regulations was huge for what we do because now, which sort of dovetails into your question, now we can pre-going live or pre-filing the Form C talk about our campaign, the valuation, you know, circulate a Google form and friends and family, can we count on you? How many dollars and reservations can you get pre going live? And this really allows founders to be much more prepared entering the process. You know, it may be in 2017, early 2018, the theory of if you build it, they will come held much more weight because it was newer. There was a lot of organic traffic in the platforms. There was not that much competition. You know, WeFunder and StartEngine and Republic being the top three platforms weren't raising nearly as much as they're raising right now in 2021 in terms of monthly volume. And you know that better than anybody. You know, these, these platforms have been significantly scaling. Um, and with the ability in 2017, 2018 to stick out from the crowd with a cool idea and a cool founding story. That was a lot more, a lot more predominant. Yeah. Three years now later where it's, you know, why Combinator companies are entering the space, which we're managing a couple of dozen of those, including the tech star companies that we're managing uh, on our platform partner, which is WeFunder as well. So we're raising money for companies that have already raised seed rounds and A rounds by tier one VCs and angel groups. So the competition has gotten much more strict and much more dense. This is why if you build it, they will come does, does not apply anymore. Maybe three and a half years ago it would, but it just fundamentally doesn't apply anymore. Now, one of the biggest things I always advise founders before doing this is let's assess where you are in your growth cycle as a founder, right? Is this your first round of capital, your second round of capital? We're working with a couple of founders right now that have already raised a sizable A round and they need a bridge round before the B raise. And they're using a $5 million CF as a bridge round between the A and the B round. Like that makes perfect sense. You have traction, you have customers, you have engagement, let's go raise you capital. For other founders, they are post revenue scaling and have a very engaged email list and a really cool B2C or a B2B SaaS product. Great, those founders, it's a layup every single day. Let's go raise you a round of capital. So first we wanna assess the backbone of the investment strategy. Where are you in your growth cycle? How innovative is your product? Uh, what is your traction right now in terms of revenue and user acquisition or partnerships that you're closing? And how much money do you wanna raise? Once we assess all those variables, we can sit back and say, great, this is the specific plan of action that we would recommend for you, including activating friends and family, activating our 50,000 investor database, reaching out to amazing uh, news publications and investment research driven teams like King's Crowd. Uh, try to get as much as investor eyeballs on the campaign page, but it's a lot harder than one may think and you have to do it in a very methodical way. So in short, create the overarching investor acquisition strategy that is omni-channel and fleshed out well before you go live is the piece of advice that I would give both founders. Nice. And one of the things uh, that I found really interesting, you know, digital investor acquisition works for some companies, doesn't work as well for other companies. Um, but, you know, if you're ever scrolling through Facebook or any of these things and you're seeing these ads, there's a reason you're getting them, right? Is because they're being targeted because they've made a message before and whatnot. Talk to us a little bit about that, though, because I've heard some incredible success from companies that have had a ton, a ton of, you know, 
ROI on doing Facebook ads and different things like that. So can you tell us a little bit yeah. about how that works? Definitely. So we uh, have current campaigns live right now and have run multiple campaigns in the past 12 to 24 months where the ROAS, the return on ad spend on our investment investor acquisition campaigns, it was like 15x, 20x, which is pretty insane to think about. If you put in 10,000, you get back 150,000 or 200,000 in tracked, fully attributed investment dollars off a Facebook ad campaign, uh, email retargeting campaign, a Google retargeting campaign. So we've definitely run many of those. And then we've also run campaigns that are at the 3x, 4x sort of return on ad spend. And very few will find ones that are 2x or breaking even. And we have the ability to look at the data in real time and sort of pause campaigns and optimize every single day as we see the dollars coming in. One of the biggest factors that we've seen impact the return on ad spend, well, there's two big factors. One is investors in the equity crowdfunding reg CF world don't necessarily like to lead. So if you're raising a million dollars or a million seventy million dollar million seventy thousand dollars on your reg CF, because you don't want to do the audited financials, you want to stick with the reviewed financials. We usually tell founders, look, you've got to get that first 10 to 20% through your friends and family, existing investors, partnerships. You're a founder, go convince five best friends, six people in your family, and at least 20, 30 power users of your product, service, or company to invest a few thousand dollars each and raise that first one, 150, 200. Once you've raised that, that's a big signal in the equity crowdfunding, larger investor world that this campaign is moving. Other investors have validated the valuation. There's other people that believe in the product as well. Now maybe we should as follow-on investors take this deal more seriously. That's point number one, that we've seen drastically impact digital conversion rates. And point number two, which is so hard to predict, is what we call mass market investor reception. You know, I like to think that I have a good personal gut feeling on what will work in this space or not. I would say even after running, you know, several hundreds crowdfunding campaigns and several dozen oversubscribed Reg CF campaigns, um, I'm still only like 60 to 70% right. You know, deals that I thought that wouldn't do well are raising million plus and getting oversubscribed. Deals that I thought were going to do so well just don't resonate for some reason with the investor audience. So that mass market reception is so hard to predict and forecast. And that's why we at the Euro Project launch a testing phase approach where we're spending small amounts of capital, attributing metrics to each dollar spent. And as we see the return on ad spend, we scale. So one is dollars raised in the campaign. Even if the value proposition is not that high, but you as a founder on a $2 million raise got that first 700K through the door, through friends, family, potential investors, like ads will convert because that's a huge market signal to the other equity crowdfunding investors that, you know, this is, this is a hot campaign and other investors are believing in it too. Um, or two is just, this is a radically innovative idea, even though they, they might be, you know, pre-revenue or just post revenue, just starting generating revenue. The idea is so solid and I can download the app immediately. Those, those ad campaigns work really well. Well, it's interesting to hear you say that, you know, you really do need to marry the offline and online world. Right. Like just expecting online, the people who don't know you to just throw in money is, is yeah. really a fallacy. And ultimately right. you need to get your believers in you first. And if you can prove that you have believers, then the crowd will kind of follow and, and partake in that round. That's exactly right. So when you're thinking about what clients are going to onboard, I know you kind of talked about some of the things that are important, whether it be traction or really innovative idea, but what types of clients do you like to work with um, when you're kind of onboarding them? Great question. We sort of have a three-pillar evaluation process. Ideally, two of the three are met. 
And if you're looking to raise a large, you know, especially closer to the $5 million threshold, you really got to have all three of the pillars met. The first and most important pillar at this early stage, Chris, is who are the founders, right? A lot of the times it's never the first iteration of the idea or the business or the first business model or the revenue model that drives mass market success or drives mass market adoption or the hockey stick growth that, are, that founders are looking for. It's the founder's ability to pivot given market circumstances, competitive circumstances, product feedback, teammates leaving, personal things that are happening even on the founder's level, can the founder figure it out, right? That's sort of point number one. And we put a lot of emphasis on who are these founders? What is their background? Does their background correlate with the product and the industry that they're creating? That's point number one that we value. It is who are the people doing it? Second thing we also look at is just pure traction, revenue, user acquisition, right? Even though if the founders might not be MIT MBAs or Stanford computer science grads with all these investors interested in them, but they just have pure market fit and traction because they're just an execution machine. That's a second big pillar we look at. Like, what is your revenue? What is your traction? Um, you know, how are you growing month over month, year over year? And what is that story that you're saying? And number three is sort of a more intangible analysis we look at, which is what is a problem you're solving? Or what is your value proposition? If 60 to 70% of the value proposition that you provide or 60 to 70% of the problem that you are solving is already solved on the app store or on amazon.com, it's not going to really take off with the early stage innovative world that the Reg CF space is because investors, uh, syndicates, and even some institutional investors are looking for the next hot idea that's disrupting an industry in a very radical way. So it's the founders being one pillar, traction and revenue being another pillar, and the third pillar really being the value proposition or the problem you're solving. So two of the three, if they're very solid, will move forward with the campaign. Ideally, if you're like, hey, Krishan, we want to raise a full five million or three to five million, we really need all three of those pillars to be in sync to raise that round. Curious to hear from you and, and thank you for those insights. Um, for investors, what do you think the benefit of having a player like yourself in this market uh, provides? Yeah, so, you know, the role that we really take is the strategic quarterback of the entire fundraise. First and foremost, how do you position the campaign? A lot of the times founders are so in the weeds um, amongst the grass in their campaign that they can't see the forest. How are you positioning it? Yes, you understand every intricate detail of your business because you started it and your founding team is in it every day, but will an investor, and we've looked at these analytics, the average time spent on the tens of millions of dollars that we've raised on all the major platforms, the average time an investor spends is like a minute, 37 seconds on their first visit on the page. So you have like 90 seconds before the investor drops off for them to watch your video, agree with your valuation, understand your value proposition and decide if they're going to follow the campaign, learn more, read the updates or invest right then and there. So in contrast to traditional fundraising, this is digital fundraising. First and foremost, we have a very strong creative team who has run dozens of high converting crowdfunding campaigns and we in-depth interview the founders to dig out really core uh, nuggets of information about the business and present them in a very layman, investor-friendly 
uh, format. And, you know, even me as a very semi-active angel investor, it's like, look, if my seventh grade nephew doesn't understand what you're telling me, I'm not going to invest in your business. Even though I might understand it, you as a founder need to be able to tell it in a compelling manner, in a very basic format, simple brief. Uh, and that's very challenging to do for some founders, right? Uh, across different medians such as Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn and emails and webinars and pitch decks. So first and foremost, we put all of our founders through a content bootcamp where we really prepare them for this, this fundraising attempt that they're going down across multiple channels, as I mentioned. Then we have on our own database over 50,000 investors that we showcase our deals to. And they love to get in, follow on rounds, and really add hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of value for each campaign that we're putting in front of them. Then we have also isolated dozens of channel partners, and these are equity crowdfunding investor newsletters, Facebook groups, uh, LinkedIn groups, influencers in the space. You know, we work with the Nasdaq.com uh, writers who like to cover some of our campaigns, and many of our campaigns have been published on there. So setting an omni-channel investor acquisition strategy pre-going live. Yeah, it is a major value add. So it's the content perspective, it's the strategy perspective, and then the traffic perspective. Unless you've done a couple of dozen of these, trying to figure it out on the fly is borderline impossible. Like your chances of succeeding upfront is is very low as a founder because the space has gotten so competitive. So we come in, architect the entire campaign from the ground up, and radically increase the chances of founder success. In terms of biggest red flags slash mistakes you see founders make when they're raising capital online, what, what would you say that is? You know, it's a lot better to own 70% of a company worth 50 million versus 100% of a company worth 5 million, right? So a lot of the founders get caught up on valuation. That's the biggest thing I see. Hey, we're not raising lower than a $30 million, $40 million valuation, even though your ARR is 100K a year. I'm like, guys, there's a giant disconnect between what you're saying right now, because you have to make it worthwhile for the early stage investors to come in. And keep in mind, you're not giving up any board seats. You know, you're not really giving up any governance control. Uh, you're giving up some equity, which is great, but you're also getting in, in side by side with that investment is a group of product advocates, marketing advocates, investor advocates who are with you for the long run. So don't get caught up on valuation. That's something I see a lot of the time uh, happen. And the second big red flag that I would highly encourage founders to do is when you're isolating that friends and family community, right? Let's say you want to raise a million bucks. We usually tell founders at a minimum, you got to get hundred K in through friends yes. and family, 20 people to put in 5k each, 30 people to put in, you know, 3k each, something like that to get the campaign moving. A lot of the times founders will do this friends and family outreach, one phone call, one email. Oh, they said they're in. I'm like, no, no, no. Put an Excel sheet together. First name, last name, email, phone number, and how much they've verbally committed. And then put that associate together and times that by 0.7 or 0.65. That's yep. the real number you're going to get on your campaign. And if that's not at least 100K, 150K, chance of raising a million dollars is going to be pretty slim to none. So it's like really bring in that community. And it could be through your existing customer email list as well. Send a Google survey out to figure out how much, how many reservation dollars you can get from them. So focus on friends and family and don't overvalue your company. The two biggest red flags that are tough founders to look out for. I can definitely appreciate that. And, and the, um, I, I love the, the idea around, you know, whatever you think you have committed, multiply by 0.65 or 0.7, whatever. Yeah. I can't tell you how many checks, you know, we're going to come in at 50 or 100K yeah. and came in at yeah. 10K or 5K or not at all. Exactly. Um, 
it's uh, it's pretty amazing once to get off the phone and, and have a day or two. And the other thing I'd say in my own experience is if they say they're in for 3K, you make sure you have that money tomorrow. And if you don't, you keep hounding them, hounding them, hounding them because exactly. you will lose the excitement and you'll lose the investment. I could not agree more. Tenacity as, as a founder um, and grit to continuously follow up um, is, is one of the core competencies required to be successful in this space. So last thing I'd, I'd love to just hear a little bit more about recently, we're seeing all of these Y Combinator companies on WeFunder. Um, I know you've been a big proponent of having something like this happen in the market. Tell us about that, how that's come together um, and what the experience has been like so far. It's been really great. I think for the entire market, Chris, because it's sending a signal to the larger startup ecosystem that, hey, Reg CF crowdfunding, look at these Techstars companies. We just raised uh, a fully subscribed round for a Techstars company called Cortex. Uh, a million seventy thousand, very innovative company out of Boston. You know, we were raising in tangent with WeFunder uh, capital for a bunch of Y Combinator companies whose founders decided to raise on WeFunder. I think market signals like this are doing two things. One, telling founders all across the nation that, hey, we should look at this. And two, institutional capital to be like, wow, now you can raise five million in Reg CF and I can use this as a channel of early fundraising for some of our portfolio companies. And the synergies between these two worlds are very similar. This is what I tell founders and institutional partners on why it's so beneficial to raise capital via reg CF crowdfunding. One, as I mentioned, as a founder, you're not giving up board seats. There's no board of directors seats you're giving up to the reg CF investors on the SPV. That's huge. Yeah. Um, a lot of founders uh, have some big headaches with, with the wrong people on their board, founders getting fired, CEOs getting fired like that. that is for the nine out of 10 times alleviated in the Reg CF space. Two is when you're raising institutional capital at an early stage, a lot of VCs and angel groups will try to lower your valuation because they want a bigger chunk of your company. In right. the equity crowdfunding world, in the Reg CF space, as long as you have a reasonable valuation model, let's say you were gonna raise at 12 million uh, uh, pre-money or post-money on a institutional funding, you could raise at 15, 16, 17 million. These are rough sort of philosophical points I'm giving, not data points. You could raise a tad bit higher than institutional funding because these Reg CF investors are getting first access to your deal. They wouldn't have right. normally gotten it before. So you can raise a little higher valuation. And three, as I mentioned, especially for a B2C SaaS company, users become investors and investors become users. So that synergy is so important. And a lot of these high quality accelerator programs sending their deal flow in the Reg CF space is a big market signal saying, hey, Reg CF equity crowdfunding is here to stay. The SEC has increased the cap to 5 billion, loosened a lot of the regulations, unleashed test the waters. The accelerator programs are starting to play. So it's a big signal to founders, accelerator programs and institutional investors and angel investors that this is a really amazing way to raise capital. And I never want to position it because I see a lot of people positioning, oh, we're, we're the anti-VC or, you know, don't raise money through VCs. I'm like, guys, you guys are missing the mark. This is so complimentary. This is almost a precursor to institutional investment where I'm like, look, yes, you could have raised a seed round and given up two board seats and 35% of your company or raise your seed or an A round through Reg CF crowdfunding, build your MVP further, gain more traction, gain more revenue without giving up board seats and without giving up too much of your company, then once you've 5X your MRR and you have much more product market fit, then go to a VC or an angel group and say, hey guys, I have a lot more leverage now for better terms because I've built it much further with the two, three million I raised on WeFunder starting in a Republic. And now you can 
in a very synergistic way, go to a VC or an angel group, um, or even a, a predominant accelerator program and raise it much better terms. So I think it's very complimentary. Um, and a lot of these uh, top tier accelerator programs, companies leveraging Reg CF crowdfunding is a big market signal, I think, just to, to do to raise that way as founders. Yeah, no, I, I think it is very much founder aligned. Um, and, but, you know, just for investors to understand when it's founder aligned, typically that is better for the investor because long term, one, that founder is truly committed to the business. Two, you know, one, one of the, the challenges and I think things that leads to a lot of venture companies failing, and we know about nine out of 10 do, right, is that um, you're pushed to do certain things before they necessarily should. Um, and that long-term view is often not taken because, you know, funds have to be returned on certain life cycles. And in this world, you both keep better control of your company with the people who believe in your actual vision, and you have the time to do it. You can actually take the time, you know, to make those long-term bets rather than having to act and do certain things that might be really detrimental to the short term of that business. And one very exciting thing that I think is on the horizon in the ranked CS space is the launching of the secondary markets. And I think they're a few years away from being compliant and regulated. But when that does hit, I think that's going to be a game changer in the space for investors because that gives you liquidity, you know, in yep. a very much faster, a lot faster than waiting for an IPO and exit or some type of liquidity event in the future, right? So if you as an investor can do a reg CF campaign, who's raising a million at a $10 million valuation, and they raise the million and the founders do what they say, build, scale, and execute over the next 12 to 18 months and raise their A round at a $25 million valuation. And if you have the opportunity to liquidate a two and a half X your initial investment, like great in, in a year. Yeah, yeah. sounds yeah, that, really good. Exactly, right? So that's what I'm really excited for. And there's a couple of platforms who've started to crack that code right now. And I think just, just a matter of time. So that's unlocked. That's going to really change this entire investor ecosystem. No, I couldn't agree more. Well, Krishan, you've been a wealth of knowledge. I really appreciate you taking the time here today to speak with us. Um, thank you very, very much. And good luck to you and all the companies that you're working with. Thank you, my friend. Looking forward to it. Have a great day. All right. Hey, have a wonderful day. Take care now. Cheers.